one option was to get out, go back to the hospital room and never, yeah, and not come out, shut the door and just not do it, move forward, not do anything with my life. Or the second option was to stay in the pool and continue to uh, try and swim and to not give up. And, you know, I chose that second option. When you believe in yourself that you can do it and when you have that never give up attitude and change the negative into a positive, then you can reach your goals. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. And welcome back or welcome to another episode of What's Right Within. We have loved bringing you this podcast so far, and we hope that it's been as thought-provoking, encouraging, and even challenging for you as it has been for us. And on that note, next week, we're going to bring a special episode of Audience Q&A. So if you've got a question or something that you want us to take a deeper dive on, send us a message on Instagram, and we'll do our best to cover as many of these as we can on next week's show. So, Eloise, today we have a really special guest. Tell us about yes. who we have on now. Lauren is a world champion. She's a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist and now has her sights set on gold at the Tokyo Paralympic Games. But this wasn't Lauren's chosen path. A freak training accident in 2017 left Lauren paralysed from the waist down. Her switch from professional able-bodied triathlon to paratriathlon is nothing short of remarkable. So welcome, Lauren. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Lauren, you've always been an athlete. Uh, tell, us, tell us about what it was like growing up for you. Yeah, so um, I started off as a swimmer, um, competing from the age of seven. Uh, I got my first state medal at the age of seven. And, you know, that's where it all started. I just loved training. I loved racing. I was super competitive. And um, whilst I was growing up as a swimmer, I also did uh, surf lifesaving as well. So I had both sports. Um, so I'd compete in surf lifesaving saving up to a national level as well as swimming up to a national level. So I was pre pretty busy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, from the age of like 13, I used to swim 16 kilometers a day in the pool up and down that black line. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So lots of training wow. and yeah, I, just, I was yeah super competitive. Lauren, I can tell you for sure <laughs> that that is further than I've ever swum in my life. <laughs> um, that's amazing. 16 kilometers a day. Yeah. Yeah. How, incredible. How long would that take? Um, so that would be two sessions a day. So split up into two 8K sessions, um, like two to two and a half hours each session it would be. So swimming was your main, yeah. your main sport growing up. Swimming was your, your yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, went to Olympic trials at the age of 14. Mm. Um, but I was quite young compared to the other swimmers. So I was really there um for race experience and stuff like that and i was aiming for the next olympics 
But um, I got chronic fatigue um, and I was out for a year. And I, when I overcome that, I couldn't get back to where I was when I left off. Like I couldn't get back to, um, yeah, the, the level that I was at, was at. So that's when I sort of transitioned to triathlon uh, when mm. I was like 18, 19. Wow. Yeah. And, and tell us about your time in, in triathlon. So you're 18 years old, you, you pick up that sport. Obviously, one part of it's what you're used to, but two parts aren't. Tell us about your journey from there in triathlon. Yeah. So when I didn't have that passion for swimming anymore, it was really hard to quit because um, I'd done it all my life. I didn't know what else to do. So I thought, I did. I, I thought I'd give triathlon a go. I did a triathlon with my school, and I was part of a team. I did the swim, so that's where I sort of got the the passion for triathlon. And yeah, it included swimming, so I got straight into it. And it happened pretty fast. I did a local triathlon, and one of the national coaches were were there watching, and they spotted me, and basically came up to me and wanted to coach me. And um, I got part of the national talent identification program straight away got a professional license and was racing internationally within a year. So oh, it happened amazing. really fast. Yeah. And I started off with the short distance triathlons, the sprint and Olympic distance. Um, and later on, I moved into like the, the half Ironman distance and Ironman distance. During my time of doing triathlon, coming from a swimming background, uh, I got eight stress fractures. And with each one, you know, I had to have, well, you know, Eloise, what stress <laughs> fractures are all about. But yep. sometimes I'd have to have 20 weeks off running and I'd have a long return to run program. And every single race I did um, in triathlon, I was never fully prepared for, especially for that run leg. Um, so there was one race that I remember in uh, 2015 or 2016, I can't remember. Um, and I, was, I got a yeah that I got a really good preparation for, but yeah. I actually uh, crashed at 170 kilometers on the bike oh. with only 10 k's to go. Oh. Uh, and yeah, that was my race goal. And I ended up finish finishing and running through everyone and winning my age group. But um, you still yeah, finished the race. Yeah, After crashing yeah, at I 170 had, I, I had, What did you? I had a broken shoulder and an injured knee, but I still oh got through the 42k run. Um, Sorry, what? Hold on. <laughs> we just need to pause. I just need to fact check that I actually heard what you said. So 170 kilometers, kilometers into a race, you crash yeah. on the bike. What were the injuries? A broken shoulder. And, uh, well, my bike was um, – I was – Okay, start again. I was leading all female, like I was the, yeah. the lead female overall and I crashed and I was on the side of the road for an hour and a half waiting for my bike to be fixed because um, I had a snapped handlebar and a broken wheel. So I also had a broken shoulder and injured knee. But my bike um, was fixed after an hour and a half and I rode the 10 kilometers back to transition to start the run. Um, mm. They strapped my shoulder up and um, it was a very long run walk. Um, I didn't think I'd 
be able to finish. But when I when I saw myself overtake the other female competitors, uh, I thought, you know, there's a real chance of me winning my age group. So that's what I did. So you were <laughs> I mean, picking people up, or like you were you were passing people on the run yeah. after yeah. with a broken shoulder, broken shoulder and having yeah. waited yeah. an hour and a half to be able to get back on your bike. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Lauren, there's, I have a question on that and that is what was going through your mind in that moment? So you, you crashed the bike there. Why didn't you just stop the event? Like tell us what was going, what was your thought process in that time? Um, well, I, I didn't even know that I'd be able to continue, uh, with a broken bike because um, I didn't know that it would be able to be fixed. But once it was, I thought, well, I need to get back into the 10 kilometres back into town anyway. So I rode back into town and I thought, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to finish and just, it doesn't matter. I'll just see see how it goes. And, yeah, once I started, you know, I there was so many times where I wanted to pull out because my knee was absolutely killing me. Um, but... Let alone um, I don't shoulder. know. I pushed. I put. Yeah, I was running along like it, it was all strapped. But um, it, yeah, it, I never. Yeah, I didn't. I chose to not give up, and mm. yeah, I ended up finishing. Wow. But um, another time in 2014, I was training for my first Ironman World Championships in Hawaii, and six weeks out of that event, I ran over a dead kangaroo on the bike and broke my elbow, and I ended up racing that Ironman. Um, wow. with a broken elbow, broken elbow. So I've had my fair share of injuries. Mm. Gosh. <laughs> um, so Lauren, what, as a, as a young athlete, you know, getting in, into being in those situations where you're really like, you're in pain, you're tested and there's something in you that says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do the race anyway. I'm going to finish anyway. What was driving you there? I think just knowing that I'd put in all the work and training that I just didn't want to give up and I just needed to finish the race for myself. Like, um, yeah, I don't like giving up. So, and, you know, I, I don't like pulling out of races. And so, which leads us up to, to when you were training for the Kona Ironman um, in April 2017. Can, can you talk us through what happened that day? Obviously, 2017, I absolutely had the most perfect preparation leading into the Ironman Australia in Port Macquarie um, that I was training for. And, you know, everything went perfectly, um, swimming on the bike. And I had a full run prep, which I'd never had before. I was like, I was on fire and I was so confident leading into the race. Um, and then, two weeks out from the event I was on my last hard training ride before tapering down and with only two minutes left to go of the training ride uh both my tires burst and I went flying into a guardrail at 45 kilometers an hour um and that's what changed my life in an instant uh I had I broke my shoulder um broken ribs punctured lungs broken pelvis and broken back but you know all that can be repairable and it's the spinal cord that couldn't be repairable and that left me instantly paralyzed from the waist down mm. and at that moment I didn't 
know exactly uh, that I wasn't going to ever walk again. Uh, I thought I was just going to go to hospital and they were going to fix me up and I'd be walking out. And But that wasn't the case. And that same day after being rushed into surgery, I was told that I would never walk again for the rest of my life. And wow. Wow. What was that? What was that like hearing that news? Obviously it was, you know, you, you would have been, it would have been completely devastating. What was your, your initial reaction to that news? Um, I was, I was really shocked, obviously. I was angry. I, you know, every emotion. Um, and at, at that moment, I probably didn't really understand fully what that meant. It hadn't sunk in yet, but mm. the weeks later, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's for the rest of my life that I'm not going to be able to walk again and I'm not going to be, be able to be the athlete that I wanted to be uh, in Ironman able-bodied racing because uh, I, you know, I had so many goals that I wanted to achieve and, you know, I wish that I had have been able to race that, that race that I was training for first uh, just so that I, I would know what I was capable of with a full preparation. Um, mm. But even knowing that I, I, that I couldn't ever do that again um, was devastating. But, yeah, the not walking part was hugely devastating and I thought that I thought that I had nothing else to live for like I thought my life was over mm-hmm. at, that, at that moment and that first night laying in the hospital bed not being able to move and not being able to you know get up I felt I just felt trapped and um yeah it's something that it, it it's hard to fully describe but you know I couldn't move my whole body like um apart from you know i had the surgery as well so i was was quite sore but just yeah i just felt trapped (laughs) Mm. i'm really keen to understand what the thought process for you was going from where your mind was in those first few days after after the injury through to suddenly uh, not suddenly but through to then seeing an alternative way forward i'll just i'll tell you a little story that happened uh in rehab and it was when i first got into the hydrotherapy pool Mm. um i thought that you know i was going to get in the pool you know coming from a swimming background i thought i'd be able to just jump in and swim and because it's what i knew how to do and i was i put my cap and goggles on um and the rehab physio gave me a noodle and like, I don't want the noodle. I just want to swim. <laughs> um, but I pushed off the wall with my hand and basically I couldn't put two strokes together and my body was just sinking to the, the floor. And, you know, I thought at that moment, you know, my legs have been taken away from me now. My swimming ability has been taken away as well after 20 years of, you know working so hard in the pool Mm -hmm. um so at that moment I thought absolutely my life was over and my best friend Brad Fernley was there and I got to the end of the pool and he came to me and said I basically have two options one option was to get out go back to the hospital room and never yeah and not come out shut the door and just not do it move forward not do anything with my life 
or the second option was to stay in the pool and continue to uh, try and swim and to not give up. And, you know, I chose that second option. And by the end of the session, I'd swum three laps of the hydrotherapy pool, which was only like 12 metres, but mm. it took a long time. But just from that um, change in mindset, I think that's what shaped, you know, my paratriathlon career so far. Like if I had have chosen the, nev- uh, the if I had have chosen to give up, I definitely wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved. But I proved to myself that, you know, with only when you when you believe in yourself that you can do it and when you have that never give up attitude and change the negative into a positive, then you can reach your goals. Nine months from that day, you lined up at your first triathlon event um, for paratriathletes and... Yep. It was the Commonwealth Games trials and you qualified um, for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, That would be just a few months later, three months later. What, what was that like? What was, what was your first event like? And and did you expect to, to do so well? Definitely not. Like after spending six months in hospital, thinking that I wouldn't be able to get back into the sport, that I once loved, you know, when I realized that there was such a thing as paratriathlon, I was super excited to get started, you know, back into training. It's what I'd always done. And as soon as I signed myself out of rehab, I got straight into training. And I think I was training for a month before my first paratriathlon, which was the Com Games trials. And I qualified and I was like so shocked because it wasn't, anything that it wasn't I thought that I wouldn't be able to qualify you know I didn't know what to expect it wasn't um in my goals at that time I just wanted to finish the first paratriathlon and you know when I was when I qualified I I couldn't believe it when I was you know laying back six months ago in the hospital I bet I would have never imagined that I would be back in a triathlon let alone qualifying for the Com games and you know, lining up on that start line at Commonwealth Games, uh, I just felt really proud to be there to represent Australia and um, it was a, um, a great experience. Yeah, and you ended up winning the bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games yeah. as well. And, yeah. I mean, I've, I've um, listened to a, a number of podcasts with you, a number of interviews, and... And every, I mean, you, you mentioned just now that you were proud to be there. And, and, um, but every time I hear you speak, you, you, you say, um, you tell your goal as, as if you, you're there to win. And, um, and I'm, I'm going for gold. And, 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 you know, you're not just happy to be at, at the race and, and happy to be competing. You're, you're shooting for the stars. And that's, that's something that I admire about you so much. And, um, love about your tenacity in terms of and your competitiveness as well and it shows obviously hearing about your childhood and how competitive you were then um, when you choose to keep going um, and then you come across a, a, a tough day like did you ever want to give up after choosing to keep going like tell us about some of your toughest days definitely like 
um, every day is hard for me, like living life in a wheelchair, like forgetting the sports side of things, just having to live life on wheels. And I also suffer from neuropathic pain to 90% of my body, which most people don't know. Uh, like right now, I'm in horrific pain from my chest down to my feet. I feel like I'm being stabbed with needles everywhere and like my body's on fire. But, and that's constantly 24 seven. And, you know, that's why I love training so much because it, it can, I can focus on, you know, the other sort of pain that I put myself through as yeah. well. Um, You're in control yeah. of that pain. Yeah. There's so many negatives that I could be focusing on. Um, but again, you know, I try and find the positives in everything that I'm doing or in my day-to-day life. What's so powerful for us to understand is how you go about making those decisions. So you're obviously exceptional at choosing where you put your, your attention. Yeah. You know, you could focus on the negatives or you could divert your attention to, you know, to the positives or to, to what you can do. How do you practically do that? Like, is that a choice you're making moment to moment or day to day? Like, tell us about how you make those decisions. I think for me, it um, it's really in me. Like, it's what, it's the only thing that I know how to do. And, you know, I don't want to just stay in one spot. I always want to move forward and you know, there's so many things in my life that I've had to overcome in sport and out of sport. And I think that's taught me how to overcome obstacles and the struggles, um, especially with, you know, in sport, all my injuries and setbacks and everything. I think being able to overcome those things has helped me today overcome the things that I'm dealing with now. And, you know, I choose to want to move forward and to learn from my mistakes or my failures and finding opportunities in those um the struggles basically finding opportunities to improve to learn and to to grow and move forward wow wow and how how do you speak to yourself when when you're in the midst of something really challenging or difficult um, my best friend Brad Fernley is the one person that um, I, I talk to about my struggles and stuff. I, I don't open up to a lot of people and without him, I definitely probably wouldn't be able to be so positive, especially with what I'm dealing with now. Um, Brad's always telling me, you know, it's really important to believe in yourself uh, to to overcome you know any struggle in life it's mm-hmm. it's really important to and and in my sport it's really important to believe in yourself in order to reach your goals or in in order to succeed mm. do you have his voice in your mind when you try uh, yeah definitely yeah <laughs> um you know there's you know we've trained together for 12 years and i remember him helping me um, in some of my toughest training sessions, um, you know, all yelling at me, telling me to get <laughs> get moving. Um, but you know, you know, definitely I have his 
his voice in my mind, um, you know, even when he's not with me, just knowing what he'd say to me uh, and how to overcome anything that I want to overcome. Wow. Now, how would he describe you? What do you think? If, if we were talking to him right now, what would he say about you? He'd say, you know, I'm very determined, um, dedicated, hugely dedicated to my sport. Um, and I don't know what else. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully some good things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, it's, I mean, it's such a powerful testament to the power of friendship and um you know iron sharpens iron right we were there for each other and and to hold each other up it's not a solo effort before my accident and after my accident he was right there with me mm. beside me behind, uh, at the time of my accident as well we were riding together and without him constantly helping me uh change my my thinking and be positive and turning the negative into positive mm. without that you know I wouldn't have got it back into paratriathlon, let alone achieve what I've achieved. So, you know, I feel like I can overcome anything with, um, because I'm friends, I've got a, a massive friendship with, with him. And he's like a dad to me because I didn't have a dad growing up. So he's, he's stepped in as that father figure mm-hmm. over the last 12 years of helping me in my career as well. So, yeah, we're super close and I'm super grateful. Mm-hmm. Love it. <laughs> hey, and... When you were growing up thinking about your future as an athlete, what were you searching for? What were you hoping for as a as a teenager? I was hoping to uh, reach the goal of competing at the Olympic Games yep. uh, when I was a swimmer. That was my ultimate goal. Um, and then, as I said, I got chronic fatigue. I was out for a year. I've had, um, in between swimming and, and, and triathlon, I had the stress fractures. I had an eating disorder as well. Um, so I had so many things to overcome. Um, but, you know, I had that, I always had that, those big goals that was competing at the Olympic Games or uh, becoming world champion in Ironman distance triathlon. Um, mm-hmm. That was my big goal in in triathlon as well. So I had the big goals, but I also set you know little goals, day to day goals, weekly goals mm-hmm. to focus on as well. I'm I'm curious what's what's similar and maybe what's changed for you in in terms of what you're shooting for now. It's uh, similar in ways in that you know I've I've adapted and I've set new goals for myself but still you know the goal of uh the Paralympics and getting that gold medal mm-hmm. so uh in a way it's the same but it's certainly not the path that you know I wanted to be on I wanted to you know my passion was for Ironman distance triathlon and competing uh at, at the world championships in Kona and as a professional and and winning uh, and becoming world champion. That was my ultimate goal. And that's, uh, I really miss that. And I'd give anything to go back to my old life, even though I'm achieving what I'm achieving. But, you know, I can't think of that. And I need to be able to set new goals and, 
you know, change direction a little bit. And, you know, that's what I've done. And I, th I think that um, setting those new goals for myself um, has really helped me get through uh, my accident and my injury. Um, and, you know, I, I think fulfilling that if and when I get that gold medal, mm. um, hopefully I do. Um, although, although, you know, I'll be so happy that I've achieved that goal. I, th I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to explain, but I think that, you know, winning the Ironman, I, I would have got more satisfaction out of that. I appreciate, I so appreciate your, just how honest you are, Yeah. you know, with that, like, you know, these, you're not giving us media answers, mm. you know, you haven't, you haven't given, there's no media mind to what you're saying in terms mm. of giving yeah. the script. Like we, you know, what we're hearing is so real and, and true. And mm. that in itself is really encouraging and refreshing because yeah. I think, you know, there's the more we can, actually be honest and and you know what and show up to what we're feeling that enables us to to adjust and to move forward so yeah. you know it would it would be easy for you to probably um sugarcoat a lot of what you're talking about but you don't and i think that's a really great um great strength that you have to to actually lean in and show up to the truth of what you're experiencing yeah yeah um so I just want like to say like I've had people say to me in uh, over the last few years of paratriathlon that, you know, well, you wouldn't have achieved anything like this before my accident. Mm -hmm. um, and like they, everyone sees me achieving what I'm achieving, but they don't understand the, the life in a wheelchair, um, you know, like, as I said, I'd give anything to go back to my old life because, you know, I'd certainly be, live my life differently if I could have my, another chance to go back to my life. And I certainly wouldn't complain about a lot of things mm -hmm. if I could go back to that able-bodied life. Um, but I was also told in when I was in rehab that uh, I need to learn to live my life in a wheelchair because I'll never be an athlete again. Um and you know i really set out to prove those people wrong <laughs> yes you did what in that moment when you heard those words what was your initial feeling and thought i mean i knew i had to learn how to live life in a wheelchair and i think at that stage i didn't know that i there was paratriathlon to go to yeah. and at that point i was obviously really frustrated and upset and stuff but when I found out that there was hope and that there was paratriathlon and I could get back to doing sport, uh, I was super, super excited to prove uh, those people wrong that would tell me that um, it was impossible to do. So, um, you know, was, anything is possible. Mm, mm. Yes. How was the process of, of transitioning into the sport? Like, you, as you say, you, you didn't know it was even an option um and then and tell us about that that story and that journey in into paratriathlon yeah so it all started off in san diego actually uh 
a guy called Bob Babbitt um, who knew me as an able-bodied athlete. He has a radio show um, from San Diego and he actually interviewed me back in 2015 at the Ironman World Championships when I got second in my age group. Um, and he found out about my accident and he invited me on his, his radio show back in when I was in rehab. And he, he said, you know, Lauren, if you want to get into back in a triathlon, this is where it starts. And, you know, he, I want, he said, I want you to come over to San Diego to be part of the Challenged Athletes Foundation Triathlon Weekend. And, you know, he's the co-founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation in America. And, and so he invited me over to San Diego and I was still in rehab. So I asked the rehab if I could get five days off to go to San Diego to spend time at the triathlon weekend and come back. And they said, no, I can't. I could have three days. Well, I can't go there and back in three days. So I ended up signing out of rehab, which was the best decision I ever did because that was so negative. Mm. Um, and jumped on a plane the next day and Brad and I were on the way to San Diego and we thought that I'd be turning up and meeting a lot of people, telling them about my story um, and what happened to me, but that certainly wasn't the case. We met hundreds of people in worse off positions than me. There mm. was kids running around with no arms and legs just running around on their stumps and there's one thing that I noticed on everyone's faces and that everyone was smiling and they were happy and they were competing in this triathlon this weekend. Mm. And I mean, there was soldiers that had been to war that had had their legs blown off. There was um, so many inspiring stories and most people were worse off than me. So I thought, you know, if these people can participate in this triathlon, and if these people can be so happy, then so can I. Like, yeah. And that's where I got the inspiration for Triathlon Weekend. And that's where I saw that it was possible. You know, all these uh, people believed in themselves. And so I came back to Australia and I got straight into training. I got the equipment that I needed, a hand cycle and a racing chair. And, you know, I, at first I hated using my arms because, uh, well, my arms were so weak at that point and it was just so hard using my arms to not just, for not just day-to-day -day living, but also for training. Mm. But I worked hard in the gym building my arms up and it, it got, it got better. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that, so that's where it all started. And Bob Babbitt, the co-founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation, is an absolute legend because he, you know, he's raised um, $25 million wow. um, for people that need, mm. um, you know, equipment that have been through accidents like me that want to get back into sport. You know, mm. he's changed so many lives. He's uh, raised money for people that need prosthetics to get back in, you know, to get back into running. Um, yeah, just a, a legend. I yeah, I, I love that. And <laughs> talking about choices before, mm. you chose to check out of, out of rehab and do that. <laughs> and so I just want to acknowledge the fact that, you know, you, you had a decision to make and yes. you, you did that. So, um, 
it's amazing to see where that took you. But mm. I want to know where purpose comes from for you. Purpose. So purpose in my life, you know, it comes from, again, setting goals. It's really important to set goals. It does, it creates purpose. Um, and without having goals to strive for and move forward, um, then you don't become better. Um, and if it, you know, when you're striving for something, it doesn't need necessarily be have to be in sport. It can be anything. Um, for me, setting goals makes goals makes me a, a better person. Like it makes me more positive. Um, I can. It, it it just gives me purpose and something to strive for. Um, awesome. Yeah. And Lauren, when you feel at your best, what's, how would you describe yourself in those times, you know, when you are at your best, when you feel like your, yeah, life is full of purpose and, and full, you feel fully engaged and alive? Like, what is it like to be you in those times? I guess, you know, one of the most happiest moments is when I'm achieving what I've set out to achieve. Like I became world champion last year and just crossing the last line. Thank you. (laughs) We haven't even gotten there yet. There's so much more to you than than being world champion you are. So that sort of says it all. (laughs) Exactly. It's amazing. Crossing Crossing that line was so special. It brought back memories of what I had to overcome in order to get there and I was so happy um but even though I had achieved that I was still left with all the pain that I have to suffer every second of the day Mm. like that night even though I just you know achieved a massive goal I was in so much pain I was literally screaming so Mm. There's not a single day that is I'm not fully happy. Like I know that even though I'm achieving everything I'm achieving, yeah. every day is difficult because mm. you know in in sport or when you're out training and you've got a hard session and you're in pain, you know that it's going to end in five, ten minutes, thirty minutes, whatever. Yeah. But with my pain, it's never going to end unless there's a cure. Mm. Um, and that's the hardest part and I think it's really hard for me to be fully happy I guess Um, you know I'm I'm happy when I'm doing my training and my sport and stuff but to be absolutely content and happy in life I just I can't say that I that I am because I I don't want to be living life in a wheelchair and I don't I want to be living in pain but people look at me and they don't see the pain i think um i cope i i deal with pain really well i think um and i don't show it when i'm out in public when i'm at home it's different i'm literally screaming um but they don't see that they just see everything i'm achieving and that's the hardest part i think Again, thank you so much for being so raw and and authentic and vulnerable. And I, I, I guess I want to know who 
who inspires you from a paratriathlon or, you know, who inspires you in sport the most? Back in 2017, before my accident, when I was training for the race, I was going to race a girl called Laura Siddle. And uh, she basically found out that I wasn't at the race due to my accident. And she came and visited me after winning that event at the hospital a week later. And we've become, you know, the best of friends. And, you know, she is one person that inspires me. Um, You know, she's an amazing athlete and, um, yeah, super, super fantastic, nice, nice human being. And um, so she's one person. Also, uh, the four-time Ironman World Champion, Daniela Reef also inspires me. Uh, even though I wanted to, you know, my goal was to be her and be that world champion at the Ironman World Championships. Um, but, you know, she inspires me to be a better athlete as well. Mm. What is it about? And, all, and also you, Eloise, have inspired me like for many years. So I'll just... Yeah. Love it. Nice. I'm pleased I, I backed out to leave space for that one. Um, I didn't ask that question so that you mentioned me. I, I, I'm truly, because obviously it's so helpful when you, you know, you've overcome so many challenges and when you go through tough days, like all I want to think about is to, to help me get through it is um, the people that I know who've been through challenges themselves and who've gotten through it. And, uh, and yeah, so I was just curious to, to hear who, who that is for you. And I know you've mentioned Kurt Fernley too, has been such a great mentor for you. And yeah. He's obviously our, our captain at Commonwealth games and yeah. Um, yeah, such a legend of the sport and um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I'm super lucky to have him, you know, in my hometown. Like when I first started, in the racing chair he'd go around the athletics track with me just helping me helping me get my technique right and he's just a, an amazing person as well um so yeah mm. i'm very grateful for his help yeah. when i started and so what does an average week of training look like for you at the moment i do three sessions a day um i do about five bike sessions i've been riding up to 400 k's a week um five run sessions and about four swim sessions and um now that i've been able to get back in the pool you know it's so difficult swimming fitness is a total different fitness to normal fitness it's so that's hard at the moment but i swim up to four kilometers a session so every day is every day looks different it could you know Today I did a, a 75 kilometer bike ride this morning and I'll do another bike ride this afternoon. Um, tomorrow is a run session and a gym session and swim session. So, um, yeah, so I'm not constantly doing the one thing every day. I mix, It's mixed up, yeah. yeah. And I do a couple, uh, gym sessions as well. And when you're out there for such a long period of time, are you are, do you ride with a group or are you... Are you listening to music or how, how do you keep yourself focused and, and motivated for, for that period of time, especially when you're doing three sessions a day? I, I usually have Brad next to me, um, right. motivating me. And um, 
uh, pushing me along. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when I when we go riding out on the road, it's yeah normally just us two and maybe one or two other people um, sometimes join us. But I also, when I can, head up to the Gold Coast because my head coach is up there. So I train. He's got a big triathlon group up there. So I go up and train with him when I can for a a couple of weeks at a time. So um, at the moment, I'm not able to, obviously. Um, But, you know, when there's no restrictions on and stuff, I like to head up there for a good couple of weeks block of training. Getting back out on the road. Was that, what was that like for you? Obviously, um, yeah, just getting back out into that environment. Did you find that challenging at all? Uh, it was different. Obviously, on a hand cycle, you're much lower and I can see under trucks as they go past. Mm. Like, it's a bit scary. Um, but actually, my first ride I did, uh, I actually went on the same road as and went past my accident site. Um, the first ride that I did. Um, what was that moment like? Yeah, it was, I guess, easier for me than it was Brad. Because um, uh, Brad was next to me, right next to me when I had my accident. So he heard everything. He heard my tyres burst. He heard my body wrap around that guardrail. And every night he hears that bang of my body into the guardrail. And just, and he, he has that vision of, looking down at me on the ground and my body in like the worst position possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was harder for him than it was me going to the accident. Cause I don't remember much. Um, I remember laying on that, on the ground in intense pain, but other than that, I don't remember, remember much at all, but it was a, an emotional time, I guess that first that first time of riding past the accident site. But, um, yeah, I've ridden past there quite a few times now and it's, it's okay. What, what have you learned about yourself in the last um, couple of years and making all the, the adjustments that you've had to make and, um, and resetting, you know, so many things in your life? What's, what have you learned about who you are? Um, I've learned that I am able to adapt to situations when life suddenly goes in a totally different direction as, you know, what I expected. Um, I, I learned that it's yeah really important to believe in myself because, you know, I, most of the time I didn't, <laughs> um, full, like I didn't fully believe in myself. It's so easy to say that, but you've actually got to believe it. Um, to, to achieve anything you want to achieve. And I think just learning that, learning the importance of, of that has really helped me overcome difficult situations. Um, and I never would have thought getting back into triathlon was possible for me mentally, physically. Um, so, yeah, I've learned that, you know, that having having that not never give up attitude is really important again in my life to move forward and to improve and to learn from you know the difficult situations that I face um every day I'm 
trying to overcome that pain that I keep talking about. It's that's the hardest part. Yeah. Mm. How do you with with pain in particular, how do you create some sort of space within yourself to almost like distance yourself from the pain or do you just fully feel it? Like tell us about how you wrestle with or or kind of find your way through um through pain. Mm. Training. Mm. that's the only that's the the absolute only way I overcome the pain because outside of training it's it's absolutely horrific like Mm. I can't I didn't know the pain existed Mm. before my accident it is so so bad and like I don't show how bad it is Mm. like when I'm talking to you guys or when I'm out in public when you train Lauren is it the the training that distracts you from the pain or you train so hard that the pain is more than the pain that you're going through because of your injury or is it both? Um, no, it's the distraction definitely because mm-hmm. no matter how hard I push myself in training, that pain Doesn't is matter. nowhere near as bad as mm-hmm. the, the nerve pain that I have from my injury. But I've also had other complications since my accident. I've had five spinal cord surgeries and I had a complication called a syrinx, which is fluid build up inside the spinal cord that traveled up to my neck, causing me to lose feeling down my arm. And I can't feel hot or cold on my hand or my arm as well. So I didn't get any, any of that back. Yeah. Well, we very much uh, hope, hope that, a an alternative comes up that that we can't see right now that um that is a real game changer so Mm. um lauren what's what are you most like it may be a bit of a leading question but take it wherever you like like what what are you most what's your greatest hope for the future when you look look long term what are you really hoping for well you know i hope that there obviously is a cure for the nerve pain and that um, there is a cure for spinal cord injury and that I'll, I'll walk again. You know, that's my ultimate. I want to walk again and I would give everything away, all my sport and everything to be able to walk again. Mm. Um, so that is the ultimate, like my ultimate hope mm. for anything in the future. Um but you know i actually if it came down to either get reducing my pain or getting rid of the rid of the pain or walk again i'd go to the pain um because it is the worst thing imaginable um but then you know after yeah i'd get after i got rid of that then i'd want to walk again so yeah, yeah. and obviously if if i forget that side of things and look at my sport. Mm. Um, yeah, getting that gold medal at the at the Paralympics would yeah. um, make me so happy. And you know, with the Paralympics being postponed um, to twenty twenty one, I've now set myself another challenge. Yeah. And I'm jealous. <laughs> I've got another year up my sleeve, so um, I'm looking to qualify for the hand cycling as well so hopefully yeah. i'll i'll have three events there yes great it'll be the, the 50k road race the mm-hmm. 14 kilometer time trial 
hand cycle and the paratriathlon. So you're amazing. You are <laughs> incredible. What can we do to contribute to, you know, um, causes that are, are close to your heart? What's, what's the best thing that we can know, learn or do? Mm. I've got a huge passion for mental health awareness mm. and the are you okay? Uh, organization as well um my sponsor qbe is a partner for are you okay and um yeah that's probably where my heart is closest to is the the mental health awareness and that's what i'd like to um like i've got a foundation and, and i i'm working towards uh in that area in helping people um along the lines of, you know, the mental health awareness, because I've been through a lot mm. in my journey and in my life um, in that sort of area. So that's where I want to make a difference uh, in the future. When In the mental health space, what what do you hope people know or do um, to, to make a difference to people in terms of mental health? Yeah, like in my experience, like since my accident even, I've had a lot of people ask me how I am, um, like how are you or whatever, but they're not really there to listen. Um, You know, when I start telling them how, you know, being honest and how I am, um, you know, they just don't have time for it, you know. Um, But it's important that you're really genuine in asking people how they are and you really they're going to be you know there to listen and it's important to be able to listen to people but also you know be there for people as much as possible and always asking you know asking that question and being genuine about it and asking you know how how are you you know there's people going through a lot of struggles that you know they don't they don't show it on their face you know like like me I you know I have a mask on most of the time and you know I don't show what I'm actually going through so yeah there's a lot of people out there that are doing the same that you know haven't had an accident like me but they've got their own struggles that you know that you know, you know, a lot of people don't know. So it's really important to be there to listen, basically. Yeah. Lauren, um, <laughs> I want to be respectful of your time. So um, are you ready for Rory's rap? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> You're such an incredible human being. Like I'm sitting here in awe of your courage, first and foremost, to continually show up so honestly to the reality of of any given day and from you know from what you've said about the the time of your accident through um to you know how you are right now today you know every day there is there's pain there's there's struggle and and hardship but yet you're able to be super honest and true about that but at the same time find a way to function like find a way to move forward and from when you were little competing what strikes me is that you had this 
you didn't quit. Like you would endure anything and find a way. Like you would, you get, you have an, an accident on on your bike and then run a marathon with a fractured shoulder. Like, you know, to me that this isn't something that you've necessarily even um, developed in the last few years. This is something that is part of who you are. Yeah. That you you find a way and you have this tenacity and this ability to to move forward in any circumstance and that is like so powerful Mm. and so inspiring Mm. and so the way that you the way that you do that and the way that you keep making a decision to focus on the thing that's going to move you forward even if that thing brings more pain that's inspiring for us all to reflect on how we find a way forward, how we find a way through whatever we're facing right now. And, you know, my hope, my hope for you is you keep doing that. You keep doing that. You're going to find a way to, to move towards a future that you can't even fully see yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think there's so much hope for you because if anyone can find a way through, it's you from, just what you've got within you and, and the, the courage, the honesty, the tenacity, mm. the, um, the agility within your mind to be able to say, this is what it is. I'm going to find a way. And I'm just so inspired and, and so grateful for, for you being here to share with us. And um, yeah, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, and we just wish you every um every success in well beyond sport, yes. you know, and your day-to-day reality and, and finding those, those ways to, um, to have a, have more moments of, um, of joy and, and of, of kind of peace within, within what you feel like that's, that's my greatest hope for you. And I know you'll find a way. Um, it's, mm. it's just who you are. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. And I thanks so much to you guys as well. You're welcome. We um we'll be cheering you all the way to Tokyo and and beyond. We can't wait to watch. Can't wait to watch you continue to thrive.